Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story with your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Health Tech Hustle. Today I'm joined by another awesome guest, Dr. Priyanka Mather, and she is the founder and CEO of MediPocket. And she is a medical doctor with a diverse medical experience spanning from India to Russia to the United States. She's the founder and CEO of MediPocket, like I said, and she's on a mission to transform healthcare from a sick care model to a more predictive model using the science of AI and machine learning. Her innovative health tech app is a virtual health companion that includes a prescription discount card, pill reminders, a symptom checker, and the ability to store and manage medical records, an all-in-one solution that fits in one's pocket. She's fluent in five languages. She's a keynote speaker and panelist at various, various healthcare conferences where she shares a vision for quality healthcare that's affordable and accessible and her passion for helping young people learn about entrepreneurship. And she's a wife, a mother, a doctor, entrepreneur, a volunteer, she does it all. So that being said, we want to welcome Dr. Priyanka Mathur here today. That being said, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney, for having me. It's fun. Thank you. Let's kind of just jump into it. Why don't you give people a little more in-depth background on the intro I just kind of gave and let people know who you are and how you came to what you're doing in the field. Sure. So my name is Dr. Priyanka Mathur, and I'm an internal medicine doctor and founder CEO of a health tech company called MediPocket here in Los Angeles, California. And how I went into health tech is before I went into healthcare. So my passion in healthcare actually started very, very early when I was very young. And I, w- I was born in India. And I went to Russia, St. Petersburg, for my medical school. There where I did my medicine and went back to India to practice as a physician for a few years and then came to the United States. As being into different healthcare systems, the saying of United States, Russia, and India, what I experienced every day seeing my patient coming into the system overwhelmed, they are lost, confused, and, and uh, sometimes it's expensive in most of the cases for them, which results in inefficient treatment outcome. And uh, while I was seeing the technology helping in various other industries like telecom, e-commerce, other industries were using technology to, to make it efficient, accessible, I wanted to use that technology in healthcare in a way where we can simplify our system more for the patients to make them more informed and involved in their care. And that's how I got into starting my, this vision called MediPocket. Awesome. And so you started your career on the healthcare side as a doctor, and you've, you've had a long journey going Miss International all over <laughs> multiple countries, right? And uh, just performing your practice, and you were able to identify a common problem, just like a lot of people. And then you decided that, hey, there's no solution that I'm satisfied with. Let me go out and create it. And so that's how you came across MediPocket. Um, So can you kind of talk about how that process from concept to actual tangible company and what that was like for you? So 
been very, very, very interesting, both in a hard way and a fun way. But uh, first, I think it was, I mean, as a doctor, I could see the problem. But sometimes when you are in a system which has been like this for years, for decades, for people, it's hard to see that there could be a solution. Like, could there be a different way than what has been going on? So I think for me is to point out that problem, bringing into like, you know, in the knowledge to the healthcare professional, to the system and to the patient was the first challenge, addressing the problem or telling the problem, which I think, again, to recap a little bit on the, on the problem side is our current healthcare system is a sick care. It's very fragmented. It's non-transparent and expensive. By putting that in numbers, to give you just a number how it is, is in 2019, the U.S. alone spent $3.1 trillion on healthcare expenditure. That puts us to be number one in the healthcare cost expenditure in the world, but 33rd in the position of the quality of care, which is very well we can see how we are handling this pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. The country, which is the most advanced country on the earth, could not efficiently handle it. The healthcare system couldn't handle it. It was overwhelming, inefficient. The reason behind is that the healthcare was always being neglected by various sectors. And the technology infusion in the healthcare, when I say it's not that the healthcare doesn't have the technology or the advancement of the modern ages, but what happens is it's only on a very top level. When I say top level, it's like advanced MRI machines, city scans, finding the cure for very, you know, like diseases like cancer or all these kind of diseases, which is very important. It is needed. But mm -hmm. that is not what the day-to-day -day interaction of common people is with healthcare. The common day-to-day -day interaction is primary care, which is still the same, complex, fragmented, expensive system. So I wanted to bring solution to that day-to-day -day interaction of the people, of the patients or their caregivers by bringing the solution of simplifying primary care, making it a, it a kind of a micro-care ecosystem, which is hyper-personalized, keeping the core of transparency, affordability, and accessibility. So that being said, that was like, you know, was like, is the mission still to do it? Now, bringing that to the market, making people understand the problem and the solution was a little bit a different journey to go through. I had little layers of, of obstacles just because being a woman, being an immigrant and being a person who's not technical from any Ivy League school. Yeah. So that was a quite of obstacles I have to jump through. But it has been an interesting journey. I would always say when you try to go into any journey, make yourself available to learn from whatever come your way. Uh, for me, a learning was technology. I would not say I'm still a, like a software engineer, but I still do understand now a lot of uh, stacks or technology that we are using on our platform so that I can be firsthand involved bringing that solution with my engineers. So yeah, so that's how MediPocket journey so far has been. Awesome. So like I said, you started in healthcare and you had to try to transition into technology, right? Because your specialty is healthcare, but in order to create some sort of software technology, you kind of had to educate yourself on that part of the process. And as a doctor, you're more of an employee or unless you own your own practice or whatnot, but you're working in healthcare. But then when you go and start a company and create an app or create some sort of software from the ground up, that's more entrepreneurial. And so can you speak on that transition from employee over to entrepreneur and how that was for you? 
it was challenging for me and my family, I would say, in a sense, because most of the professions, when you are in a professional, uh, in any kind of profession, let be a doctor or an engineer, you're kind of in a safe zone. You go, you work and you come back and you know the paycheck is coming at the end of the month. This is the exact paycheck is coming. So that was a very safe zone that I was in being a doctor, working comfortably and transitioning from that to a very uncertain, unpredictable zone of entrepreneurship was very challenging. I think it was somehow when I was able to get myself strong enough to go to take that leap, my family was a little bit hesitant. It's like, why you need to do that? You know, we all are good. You are good, you know, and do the work that you're made for, like treat people as a clinician. Mm-hmm. And my always say for that was, you know, there are much smarter doctors, trained doctors, experienced doctors that can treat people clinically. But how about a doctor who first can understand the problem of the system, the patient situation can also somehow work with the technology and bring a solution in the healthcare to make it efficient for everybody. So I think that is how it was in the starting days. And one thing, interesting thing that I also, with my journey, with experiences and learn myself is it's hard to convince people with words. You know, I tried very hard. I like, you know, this is what it, with the words, with every way. But eventually I was like, no, let my action speak. Let my solution speak to it. Let when I'm help, when I'll help people, let that speak to the others and convince them. And that's what I learned through my journey is don't put too much time and energy in convincing people, even if it's your inner circle or outer circle, just put more energy, putting into the action and show the results. And that's more convincing than words. Awesome. That makes complete sense. And what's interesting that you say that is because you've already put in the work on the healthcare side as a doctor educating yourself and perfecting your craft and when you are transitioning into creating your own product your own solution you're still having trouble communicating that or getting people to adopt that mindset adopt your technology even though you already have this established background so that kind of just speaks on the difficulties it is to actually push your product out to the market and whatnot and so i kind of want to talk about that for a second and let's dive into the strategy. So how did you actually go from creating, conceptualizing to creating, and then pushing that out to the market and getting people to actually adopt your technology? So what we, the solution that we are trying to bring is, you know, simplifying the primary care, the healthcare system, by addressing few verticals. This creating of this hyper-personal micro-care ecosystem that we we are creating, is addressing the vertical of transparency and affordability that is with the prescription vertical and then addressing the vertical about creating an informed involved patients that is our doctor ai which is using the science of machine learning and natural language processing to create this advanced hyper personalized symptom checker and my health vault which will enable the patient to carry all their information to be used wherever needed now, as a healthcare pro- provider, as a doctor, I know the importance of having the right and complete information at right time that at many times is life-saving and also cost-effective. So if you have that information available with you in your pocket, you or your loved one, and if you are met with unforeseen situations or you know, if you're at the doctor's office and the, and the person who is actually the caregiver, mean to say the care- medical caregiver of the family is not there to provide the complete information, 
you can still provide it because that's in your pocket in a shareable portal of MediPocket. Bringing the prescription vertical out in the market was difficult in the starting. Why? Because what we provide is we provide the users the transparency to compare the prescription drug prices across the pharmacy. Now, something like this wasn't there before. Before you were, uh, you were written a prescription, the doctor asked you where to send and you are tell the pharmacy, you go and pick it up from that pharmacy, not knowing that that drug, the same drug could be cheaper at the pharmacy next door, the same drug. So this transparency, this price comparison helps to you to be more informed, find the lowest price pharmacy in that area, and then you can send your prescription there. Now, we live in a very diverse socioeconomic community. In that case, let's say if you're in, you have an insurance or if you don't have an insurance, in either case, you can use our discount card to save on your prescription medications, which is generic, brand, and over-the-counter medications. Now, most of the insurance, even the best insurance, don't cover the brand and over-the-counter medications. And over-the-counter medication also at times are expensive. So in that case, you can use a free discount card simply by using it at the checkout, which has the activated bin and PCN number. You just show it at the pharmacy, they put that in the system and give you the discount. Saving the time from the authorization approval process and you do the savings on demand. So that vertical is actually got very good traction because as I always say, two things can get people attention is either you give them money or you save them money. So we cannot give, but we save. Awesome. That's, that's a good quote right there. <laughs> that's interesting. And so when it comes to like your actual strategy, like obviously, like you said, what's working is just saving people money. But after like listening to you, there's really two different relationships going on. It's you, MediPocket directly to the consumer, but MediPocket also with the pharmacies, correct? And so how are you facilitating like that sort of communication with the pharmacy and how does that differ between your message with the actual consumers? So it's actually an align in a way that for users, it's absolutely free. We refer, we as a strategy, we get referral, as you call it, referral fee from the pharmacies. Now, keeping that in mind, still the platform is transparent. We provide, as we know, as a live API that we get from all the uh, 75,000 pharmacies that are partners. We get those live API of the live prices from them. Now, after getting that transfer, giving that transparency to our users, that user choose a pharmacy based on the price or the location or other factors. And that is how we refer our users to that pharmacy. To the pharmacies, getting them on board was a little bit, in the starting was a little challenge just because when the system is non-transparent, they can put whatever price they want to the prescription drug because there's no way, way you to compare between the pharmacy. But now the challenge is we are providing you the platform where they can see the price of the prescription drug ahead. Mm -hmm. So for pharmacies, that was some, uh, was a little bit not very welcoming in starting. But at the same time, when we, when especially leveraging my healthcare background, and I told if you, one pharmacy doesn't do it and other does, for example, if CVS doesn't get on the boat, but the Walgreens does, then the patients or the users will be like, why the Walgreens being transparent in the prices and not CVS on the platform. So that already gives a kind of, a, you know, the negative uh, sense to the users. So that was how the first, after getting one to first two pharmacies, it was easier to get the other pharmacies on the board because everybody wants to show that they are 
transparent, though, you know, still there is a kind of a map that goes on their front. But yes, so that's how also the other form of strategy is like we involve healthcare providers to get the word out. So if, as I always say, if a regular salesman go to a person and give a discount card, it doesn't hold that authenticity or acceptability by acceptance by the user or a patient compared to if the same discount card or the prescription discount card is given by your own doctor or your pharmacist. It puts more authenticity or I would say to that, value to that. So that's how we are working from B2C directly with the consumers, but also getting the word out through the providers. Awesome. Awesome. So you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of just leveraging their network as well. Once you actually build that relationship with them, because then they share it with their patients and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so I like that because you're building more trust and transparency in the, in the community. Right. And uh, kind of want to switch gears just a little bit, kind of switching from your strategy. Cause I know as a healthcare professional, like you said, you had to transition and learn a little bit about technology, but you're really essentially growing a company from the ground up. And as an entrepreneur, we all know how hard that can be, especially if you're trying to do it by yourself. But the the smartest thing to do would be to bring on help. And so I kind of want to talk about your team and how you kind of put those pieces in place and who you've brought on to kind of help you in this journey. As I say, one person cannot change the world. It's hard (laughs) Or, or it will take very, very long time, which sometimes the time is essence. So because it's a health tech product, we definitely need both expertise, the healthcare and a technical person. So on our team, we have a combination that we, I got on board and I'm very thankful for this diverse team that we have created is we have doctors, we have pharmacists, we have engineers, which are from the technical, which is, you know, the full stack software engineers. We have data scientists on the core team and all together with the very important, the last, I would say the chain that we have is a marketing specialist, which is business development marketing specialist. Because as I always feel, we can make the most efficient problem-solving product. It's important to reach to the people, the right message to go to the people for them to try it, to see the value of it. And that's why this business development officer or the marketing officer that we have is really important part of our team. But it's a diverse team of 25 people, which we are growing. We are looking for more talents to join on board. But that's what right now we are at. Awesome. Awesome. So you're growing definitely more than one. You have a team of 25. <laughs> so that's awesome. To in, and it's interesting to hear how you've taken healthcare professionals, the doctors, the pharmacists, and then brought in technology through the engineers or the data scientists, and then brought in people from the business aspect. So marketing people, and then you essentially created your power triangle so that you can <laughs> actually implement your strategies and get people, like you said, you can create awesome technology, but if no one's going to know about it, right? Then there's really no point. And so that's really interesting. When it comes to your marketing, and we all know how important it is to create content and to build the relationships. And so what sort of content are you creating to facilitate the relationships with these different pharmacy people to be able to show the value and present the value of what you're creating to them rather than just trying to speak, like you said earlier in the podcast, just share with words, but what sort of content are creating on that end? So as far as my content are quite very, you know, it comes through a lot of channels. The one is I'm very active in 
in the speaking part of it. So, you know, the conference, especially the healthcare conferences that I go and speak, which actually build a very live content about. So, and then I touch different, different aspects about the healthcare transformation, keeping patients in, in at heart, using artificial intelligence to augment healthcare providers, which I always, in my talk is a part, which as a healthcare provider, sometimes we get little intimidated about is that the artificial intelligence will replace doctors. Whereas the thing is, it's not going to replace them, but it's going to augment them. It's going to help them with a data-driven model to get more precisive and more accurate treatment model, as I call it. So that's what, uh, you know, the content is more created on that front. But at the same time, we also keep the updated content. For example, right now, this in this pandemic, the coronavirus situation, there's a lot of information which is not coming from the right sources sometimes uh, because sometimes when there's a lot of scattered information, it's hard to know which one to follow, which not to do. So what we are doing as I think, Rodney, we talked earlier too that, you know, I'm creating this series of Ask the Doctor. So what I'm doing is I'm actually sitting with as a panel interviewing the doctors from different specialties, talk specifically focused on coronavirus situation. For example, epidemiologists, we have the questions from the audiences that they want to be our get answered from the right source, from the pediatrics, from the cardiologists. So we try to bring more current topic as a con- content to our users because again, the core of MediPocket is to have informed and involved patients. And that is what we try to do always to bring the information from the right sources to our patients. Awesome. Awesome. That's interesting. You, you mentioned two points. One is no matter how advanced technology gets, I do not think it could replace the work <laughs> of a doctor. <laughs> For anybody who works in healthcare, you know that technology is just one part of it. Because in healthcare, you're also dealing with patients. And when you're dealing with patients, it's all about people to people. And there's no way a robot can replace that and be just as genuine and authentic. I've heard the same thing about MRI too. But it's like, there's no way you could put somebody in a machine or have a robot put somebody in a machine and they'll be okay with it. No. (laughs) And so another interesting point that you mentioned is that when it comes to creating content, you essentially created your own platform for it by interviewing these doctors and where you're getting the ideas and inspiration for the interviews and the questions you're asking is from feedback from the community, whether it's other physicians, engineers, or patients who are genuinely interested. And you're taking that feedback and using those topics to facilitate other conversations with other doctors. And in the process, you are creating valuable content with other people as well, but you're creating valuable content for the community. So I think that's very interesting that you mentioned that. And so another thing I want to ask you is that you have a strategy, you created your platform, you have a team, and you have 25 people working together. And so how do you manage all that? What tools or tech stack are you currently leveraging to help keep all these pieces of the puzzle together? Actually, it's very efficient. I would say, not the word, the team is really very efficient because those are the very core people that started from the very beginning. I would say out of 25, 10 are the ones that actually started in the very, very early stage with us. So they understand the core. They, As we say, we live, we breathe, we talk, we eat many pockets. So <laughs> they all are like that. So it doesn't need a lot of 
monitoring from my side and because they are, you know, again, as they, they are very, very self-efficient. But in this situation, in the current situation of lockdown, which I think we never have, I mean, people have known about remote working, but I think this is exactly what efficiently remote working should be doing, you know. <laughs> so we have been learning so much in that. So we are using like obviously online tools like you know, meetings like we Zoom meetings or uh, we use Slack and uh, we also use this uh, Jira platform, which is more like, uh, I don't know if it's like team management thing, the task management. It's really efficient work with us. We started using it last year and it works really, really well, especially for with our technical aspect. So we use those stacks for the team management. We also hold bi-weekly meeting with the complete team discussing, you know, anything which is being done in the past and what we are looking. But I always hold everyday meeting with each group, mean to say technical group, marketing group, a stand-up call every day with them. Oh, okay. Nice. So that consistent communication and interaction. Awesome. And so, huh, cool little tech stack. <laughs> you different softwares, right? You are a software company, but you got to learn other softwares to help build and manage your software. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned earlier in the podcast on some sort, some obstacles. I would say they're more personal obstacles for you, whether it's being a woman. What else did you say? Being an immigrant. <laughs> yeah. So some obstacles that you face. Now I want to kind of give you an opportunity to share some, like some business obstacles that you had to overcome in your entrepreneurship journey. So one, I think few, again, because entrepreneurship is every day you get new obstacles, new challenges. And honestly, after six months into that, I stopped worrying about what's coming tomorrow. Before I used to be like, okay, you know, this, I mean, you I used to go to get more anxious and nervous at times, but then you learn, like, you know, with experience, as it says, with experience, you learn. And after six months, I was like, whatever is coming the next day, I would be facing that obstacle. And I'm the only person who has to solve it. I cannot look for help because that's what you come with the baggage of as a founder is the problems are thrown to you and you have to solve it. There's no, you know, I mean, you can always look for help in a way of if it's a problem in the technical, all that. But again, you are the one who has to solve and give the direction to your team. So there's been a various obstacles. One, again, being a female founder, leave aside the immigrant part, but a female solo founder, getting yourself into the VC or into the funding or any of those sector was hard to get recognized, to be answered even, to be even, to be heard. So that was a challenge in the starting where, you know, people would not be even responding you or if they, you know, if they respond to you, they may not take a meeting. If they take a meeting, they are not even actually focused, things like that which I think most of the founders do have to go through. Not only I would say putting female only on that part, but a lot lot of first-time founders do go through that. It is challenging, especially when you are from a professional background, where you are used to getting the focused attention. It was a little different for me because as a doctor, you always get that kind of, you know, a little different kind of attention, respect. (laughs) So you're used to that. But when you're as a founder or entrepreneur, you are starting from the bottom. So you are climbing the chain as, so it was a very different experience personally for me to adjust to that obstacle part where people don't care, you know, for you, but you just have to be consistent. Keep talking, keep talking. There would be one person who would understand your vision. So that's one obstacle that I overcame. 
otherwise, I think it, it has been a pretty good, especially in our case, because as I said, in our case, it's about bringing the savings to the people. So as far as the consumer feedback or the user feedback, it has been very positive. So that has been a positive part in this journey so far. Awesome. And so you mentioned another interesting thing, going from the top as a healthcare professional to the bottom as an entrepreneur. And I'm pretty sure most doctors or physicians, healthcare professionals have to go that route. But when you're up there and you've already achieved this level of status and you know that you're going to take a couple steps back in order to pursue something that you're passionate about, what is that one factor that really pushes you to take that leap and take that risk knowing that, like you said, you're taking a couple steps back, you're going back to the bottom of the mountain, so to say? So I think the only thing that can drive you to go through this in a little humiliation kind of situation is that you have to believe that your solution is going to help people. Again, my, the mission with MediPocket, the healthcare is a global problem, which I firsthand have experienced in the three countries. And I believe it's in all, all the countries in one way or the other, the healthcare is not efficient. So the only thing that keeps you going is your mission and you believe in your mission. And I'm not saying be blindfolded and like, oh no, what I'm doing is right. Obviously you take feedbacks, you have to adapt, pivot and all that. But the thing is, yes, I have to bring a solution because there is a problem. I have to bring an efficient solution, which I believe is going to help most of the people. So I think that is the only thing when I come out from any VC meeting or any any of those kind of meetings where, you know, you're at the bottom of the chain and you're, you know, and it's like, okay, just shut it off. It's okay. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. It's just part of the process, right? To learn. It's part of the process. <laughs> I think that's great advice uh, to kind of end on. We're coming towards the end of the podcast. Um, I think we covered a lot of amazing topics and uh, kind of want to end on a little more lighter note with an exercise I like to call the rapid fire round. So, I will ask you a couple of questions and you kind of just give me the first answer that you come up with, okay? Okay. Awesome. So question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? So it's an Indian book called Mahabharata. It's a very spiritual, epic book with a lot of teachings of Krishna, which is not religious at all, but spiritual. So that's one of my all-time favorite. And who would you say is one of the most influential people in your life or career? My mom. I think that must be the most of most you have heard the answers because for some reason, mom always holds the proposition than dad. I don't know why, but yeah. Mom <laughs> gets a top spot. Shout out to mom. Um, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? So our goal is 350,000 users with three partnership with insurance companies and healthcare institutes. Awesome. Specific. I like that. Measurable. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Don't get scared. Don't be afraid to take risk. So as I said, come out of your comfort zone, take risk, and uh, just go with the flow. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode of the podcast. I really want to thank you, doctor, for jumping on and just sharing what you're doing in the health tech industry and how you are going about creating more trust and transparency in the market and bringing more price transparency, like I said, into the, into the pharmacies and all that. And 
just really just sharing your journey as an entrepreneur, because I know a lot of people are in the same exact position as you are. And you never know who's listening. You may be able to say one small thing that could resonate with them as well. Um, and that could have an impact on their story. So I just want to thank you for jumping on. Sure. Thank you. And if the time allows, I want to thank you, actually, to create such a platform of Health Tech Hustle, because, you know, the platform is very, very important, as I said. I mean, we can create the solution, but in order to bring that efficiently to most people, we need the platforms like you. And I know you have a little healthcare background with a technology mixed in, in it yours. So creating this, I know it's time consuming and heads off to you that you do that. You bring on different entrepreneurs. You take time to learn about them and then obviously give them a content to be heard you know, to, or to reach people, I would say. So thank you to you for creating that for having me. And at the, at the end, I would say namaste and just stay safe and stay healthy and stay informed. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that acknowledgement. That's really my goal is just to really collaborate and connect with as many like-minded individuals as I can. I know there's a lot of new innovations and opportunities out there and a lot of awesome people doing really awesome things in this sector. And I just wanted to create a platform just to share their message because I know for example, you may talk to your family or something about this and they may not even care or have no idea what you're talking about. But if we can create a like-minded community and create valuable content and put that in there, then it only grows from there as long as it's valuable. Before we end though, is there any uh, anything else you want to share? Where can people find you on social media? Any websites that you would like to promote? Sure. I love connecting to people, first of all. Doesn't matter if they're healthcare, technical, any background. I love to connect. Uh, they can connect me on LinkedIn uh, at Priyanka Mathur, MD. They can download the MediPocket app, which is free to download and free to use with a free discount card to save up to 80%. Uh, they are available on App Store and Google Play as MediPocket. They can also find more information about MediPocket, our phases of Dr. AI coming at www.mymedipocket.com and uh, any partnership, any inquiries, we try to respond like in 24 hours. So please reach out. Awesome. And then I'll include all the links and whatnot in the description and the show notes below. So with that being said, Dr. Priyanka Mathur, thank you for your time. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.